Good morning, Oakwood. Hey, how about our uh, hometown NOC Jets, national champions? Maybe you don't follow baseball, but it's a pretty big deal. In fact, it's a real big deal. Hey, I want to just kind of let you know what's going to be going on in my life the next 10 days. And I want to let you know that if I get out of here pretty quickly afterwards, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to uh, dismiss anybody. But I have to be at uh, World, or or Lee and I both have to be at uh, Will Rogers Airport at 2.30 this afternoon. We are going to be leaving this afternoon for Swaziland, Africa. So we fly to Atlanta, and then a a 19-hour flight later, we'll be in Johannesburg, South Africa. And we are going to be going on a mission trip with Jeff and Stephanie Eaton, uh, his parents, are over there full-time as missionaries in Swaziland, and so we're going to be be over there for the next 10 days. So if you think about it, uh, over, you know, if I cross your mind, say a little prayer for us, protection. And, you know, when we met the other day, last Friday, getting ready for, for this, um, Stephanie said, you know, if somebody gets hurt or snake bit, it's going to be you, don't you? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, probably. We're going to finish up what we started last week, Finding God, part two, and today we're going to look at the secret place. And I want to let you know, last week we looked at God wants to be found. He wants us to find Him. Today, we're going to look at the secret place. And I don't know about you, as a kid growing up, if you had a secret place like a clubhouse or a fort or somewhere that you like to go that you thought that nobody else knew about it. For me, it was at my dad's work. He was a railroad agent. And the back part of the depot was where they used to have all the deliveries and shipments and things like that. In fact, the, you know, the railroad used to, you could buy a ticket and you could go just about anywhere. And they delivered mail and packages and stuff like that. Well, that part of the depot had been kind of abandoned and forgotten. It had one of those real neat steel-wheeled wagons and all kinds of neat stuff. And we really weren't supposed to be back there but we would go back there, and that was kind of our place. We loved being back there, and we could just kind of claim that as our own. I think as adults, few of us have a secret place. Maybe you've got a special place that you like to go and pray and read and think. But for the most part, we don't have that secret place anymore. But to take your relationship with God to the next level, I want to tell you something. We've got to get to the secret place of God. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 91. And we looked at this passage last week, and we're going to take it and expand it a little bit more. We're going to eventually go through all 16 verses, but if we're going to kind of break it down. So we're going to read the first eight verses together. And I want to remind you that this is a psalm of, uh, of Moses. It was written by Moses. And last week we saw that there's a lot of people that might know about God, but really don't know God. And I think there'll be people that miss heaven by 12 inches. And I think that's roughly the distance between your heart and your head. You see, it's not just enough to know about God. We've got to know him here. Begin reading in verse 1 with me. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. 
I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, the deadly pestilence, and he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by the day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near to you. You will only look with your eyes and see recompense of the, rec- of the wicked. The King James Version, I like the way it translates verse 1. It says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You see, Moses wrote to tell the Israelites how they could be protected from all the calamity and the plagues that came upon Egypt. And their protection was found in God Almighty. And they were able to walk in that protection because they got in the secret place of God. And they stayed there. And I've got good news for you today, okay? The secret place of God still exists today. And I want you to find that secret place. So what is the secret place of the the Most High? Well, I want to tell you first, it's not a destination or a location. It's a relationship. It's a place of intimate fellowship with God. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, but keep your uh, place in, in, in Psalm 91 because we're coming back there. Read with me, beginning with verse 3, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Walk in the light. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus. His son cleanses us from all sin. What John is saying, nothing could make him happier than when we find fellowship, when we find the secret place of God. So why is it called the secret place? Well, it's a place that only you know where it exists. And it's secret because only you will know whether you've got to the secret place or not. It's a place where, honestly, I don't think a lot of people try to find anymore the secret place of God. So what are the benefits of being in the secret place? These benefits that Moses is talking about here is not for the person who just occasionally visits the secret place of God. But they are the benefits for those people that stay in the secret place of God. So if you're an occasional visitor, you're not going to enjoy the blessings found in Scripture here of dwelling and being in the secret place of God. So Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He who dwells. That means to permanently abide. That means to the best of your ability, you're going to get to the secret place and you're going to stay there. So does that mean you're never going to sin? No. That's not what that means. 
I told you last week that one of the quickest ways to break fellowship with God is by sinning. But we're told though in 1 John 1, 9 that if we do sin, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just and He forgives our sin and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So it's our responsibility to stay in the secret place of God. No one else can do that for you. And God promises that once we get to the secret place, okay, He's going to protect us. Look what He does. Verse 3, He says, He's going to save us from the fowler's snare. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. He will protect us from the terror of night and the arrow that flies by the day. So both day and night we're protected. Verse 6, it says, pestilence and plague. We're going to be protected from those things. Verse 7 said He's going to protect us from falling when all others do. And all that He asks us is us to find the secret place and to dwell there, to stay there, to remain there in the secret place. And Jesus told His disciples in John chapter 15, if you remain in Me, you're going to bear much fruit. But if you get away from Me, you're not going to bear fruit. So when you find the secret place of God, your life is going to bear fruit. But the minute that you or I begin to pull away from God, our life now becomes barren of fruit. Now, something else I want you to notice here. When we dwell in the secret place, he says, especially in the New King James Version, you will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You know, that's the one thing that I hear people talk about all the time. I am so tired. Anybody there? I am so tired. I just need some rest. Well, we do it to ourselves, friends. We just live life at such a busy, hectic pace that we make ourselves that tired. But when we get to the secret place of God, you're going to have rest. Moses says when you dwell in in the secret place of the Most High, there's no better security found anywhere. And do you know when you are safe, when you are protected, you're going to have the best, most restful, most comfortable night's sleep that you've ever had. Kids oftentimes like to come crawl in bed with their mom and dad or, or maybe ask their mom and dad to lay down with them until they fall asleep because there's protection, there's safety, and there's security. And we find that same safety and protection and security when we get to the secret place of the Most High. And your rest will be better than it's ever been before and because you know you're completely protected. So what's the shadow of the Almighty? It's the place of protection, a place that God protects us. Scripture here tells us that He's going to cover us with His pinions and feathers. And His wings are going to find refuge. Jesus said in Matthew 23... Verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were never willing. You see, God said, I wanted to protect you, but you weren't willing to receive that protection. And I want to say something. I think it's that we, not so much we don't want God's protection in our day and age. It's this that we have gotten so busy for God, we just don't have time to seek God's protection and to seek out the secret place of the Most High. 
Verse 1 tells us, though, He wants to protect us. And that person that permanently abides in the secret place and fellowship shall rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I want to tell you something, friends. We are fools. That's right. We are fools if we choose not to live in the secret place of the Most High. I think one of the the best illustrations of living under the protective wings of God can be found in birds. We had this robin that made a nest right in in one of our shrubs, right under the awning, or, 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 you know, the the gable of our roof there, I guess, or, or, you know, the the edge of it. And I thought, why is this crazy bird doing that? And you know how much rain we've had in May? And that bird sat on her nest day and night, and the water just poured on her. I felt sorry for this bird. I even tried to thought, okay, I, I will move this branch, and I'll try to try it back so that and she'd just get upset, and she was content to protect her eggs under that water. And I thought, this is nuts, but isn't that a perfect example of how God protects us? I read a, a story about some firefighters that were going through uh, the forest after there had been a forest fire, and they came upon the charred remains of this bird. And the firefighter said, you know, why didn't this bird just fly off? It could have escaped this fire and lived, and, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a stupid bird, and he took his foot and he kicked the, the charred remains, and when he did... Three little baby birds scattered from under the wings of that dead, dead bird. You see, if a bird will go to that kind of extent to protect us, think how much greater God wants to protect us. And once you're there, you can say, as he said in verse 2, He's my refuge in your, my fortress. So if you're not dwelling in a secret place, He's not your refuge in your fortress. You can't move out of the secret place of the Most High and expect all the blessings of staying in there. doesn't work that way. But a lot of Christians try to, try to do that. You can't move outside of the blessing of the Lord by leaving the secret place and expect everything. Not going to work that way. What's the difference between a refuge and a fortress? A refuge, I looked this up this week, so this is what the dictionary says. Well, nobody uses the dictionary anymore, but Wikipedia said, A refuge is a state of safety, protection, or shelter, while fortress is a fortified place, a large and a permanent fortification, sometimes a town, a fort, a castle, stronghold, a place of defense or security. So Moses said in verse 2 here, he's my refuge and my fortress. You talk about protection. So it doesn't matter if the devil comes at you with just a small attack or all the forces of hell come against you, you're protected. You have both a fortress and a refuge. So we're protected as long as we stay in the secret place of the Most High. Verse 3 says that he will protect us from the fowler snare. Not maybe, not sometimes, it says he will. You see, a fowler would trap falcons to use to capture other prey. And they would capture these falcons to use them for their purpose. And so, friends, there's a lot of people that Satan has snagged because he's the fowler. 
And these people don't even know it. They've been trapped and they don't even know it. Verse 3 says that you're going to be protected from deadly pestilence, disease, plagues, epidemics. You see, sometimes the devil's going to try to snare you in a small, subtle way. Other times he may try to take you out with something big. But it doesn't matter if it's a big or small attack. If you stay in the secret place, you're protected. Verse 4 said that he will cover you with his pinions. Now, I didn't know what a pinion was, so I had to look that up too. A pinion is the outer part of a bird's wing, including the flight feathers. So I love this. So whether you need just a single feather to protect you, or maybe you need the whole wing, you've got it. Sometimes it may be just a small attack from Satan, and all you need is a single feather. But sometimes you need the whole wing, don't you? Last part of verse 4, it says, His faithfulness is going to be your shield and a buckler. Now, a buckler was the small shield that normally went on the forearm. That was the shield that was used for hand-to-hand combat, you know, with, when you fought with a sword. And you could use it in a defensive way. So it was used in a, you know, in a one-to-one skirmish. A shield, though, was the big thing that you got behind would protect your whole body from either a spear or arrows or a massive army coming at you. So it didn't matter if you need just the small buckler shield or if you needed the whole big shield, you were protected. You were duly protected. You see, sometimes you might just need a verse of the Bible to defend yourself against the devil. Sometimes you might need the whole book, the whole doctrine of the Lord. I want you to notice here how our protection is double-layered. The shelter and the shadow. Refuge in the fortress. The feather and the wing. The shield and the buckler. We are doubly protected. That's pretty good protection, isn't it? So we're also protected day and night. Not just on Sunday mornings when you're here in this building. But we are protected by both big and the little attacks. Verse 7 says that... A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand. Now, this verse has been kind of taken out of context and I think maybe misused to kind of imply that as Christians, we're going to have the power to be able to slay people left and right, a thousand or 10,000 at a time. That's not what it's talking about. This is talking about the people that have been wiped out by Satan, that have been taken down by Satan. A small attack may grab a thousand at a time, or a big attack may wipe out 10,000 at a time, but he said, don't worry about that, because you're in the secret place of the Most High. You're protected. Whether it's a thousand that fall at once or 10,000, doesn't matter. You're protected from both the large and the small attacks. And I think one of great, Satan's greatest tricks is that he gets us to look at those who fall just to discourage us. Well, look at so-and-so, they, they quit. You know, I think what amazes me is that the amount of people that get obsessed with somebody that leaves the church rather than celebrating with a, one person that finds the Lord, comes to Christ, 
or maybe gets involved in this ministry, but we get so obsessed with the one person who have left the flock and decided they're going to walk away. And probably it was their own fault because they moved out of the secret place. They've got disgruntled with their Sunday school teacher or or maybe with their small group or maybe a staff member or a decision was made for this way or that way and they didn't like this direction or this. And so they said, I'm just not going to go to that church anymore. And it's so easy for people to say, you know, I think they're right and I think I'm not going to go there either. I tell you what happened to those people. They moved out of the secret place of God. Amen? Now, I believe that we ought to do everything we can to reclaim people and restore them, but there comes to a, a point in time in your life when you've got to say, I'm going to stay in the secret place, and I'm going to keep my eyes focused and fixed on Jesus. Amen? And I'm not going to worry about the thousand or the ten thousand that fall. I'm going to stay focused on Jesus. Because you're protected. God's standing with you. These people that fall, they fall because they leave leave the secret place and they've lost fellowship with God. Verse 8 says, you will only look with your eyes and will see the recompense of the wicked. God protects us so that we are simply spectators when disasters come. You know, Moses tried to take credit and, and tried to, to lead the Israelites himself and with his own bare hands, and God had to put him in the, the desert and the wilderness for 40 years. So here was his thoughts and his testimony. Let's read this. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard all your ways. Do you understand? And if if you read here in Psalm 103, verse 20 and 21, the angels of the Lord do the will and the work of the Lord. They follow his beck and command And simply by speaking the word of God, the angels move into action. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Verse 12 says, On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adler, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Verse 12 says that these are little stones, you know, that we don't see that trip us up. Most of the time, we don't fall over the big boulder, do we? But it's something small, a branch or a twig or a small rock that stumbles. It causes us to stumble. And what he's saying, these angels are going to protect us from that little twig that's going to trip us up. Verse 13 says, you're going to tread on the lion and and the the adder, the young lion, and the serpent you will trample underfoot. So if the small attacks don't work, the devil's going to send bigger ones. Now, a lion, he's loud and he's vocal. His main weapons are fear and intimidation, and he's going to attack you head on. The Bible says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. He's making a lot of noise. The cobra, though is one of the deadliest snakes known to man. And snakes slither, sneak, and subtle. One of the things that concerned me a little bit 
missionary that we're going to work with had a picture and they made a video just this last week where they had some students from Southern Nazarene University, University from Bethany there working with them. And they had been doing some lawn work around this church out in the primitive area and they had been using a weed eater and things. And this cow was laying dead just right where they had just mowed and weed eated. And what happened, it got bit and they, the people saw it happen This cow was bit by a black mamba snake. It jumped up and down, the cow did. So I don't know whether it was bit multiple times or if it was trying to stomp this thing. But within a few moments, that cow that was just walking around was dead. So Moses is not only saying, you don't even have to worry about the snakes. You're going to stomp all over them. Verse 14 says, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Now, the he in verse 14, because he holds fast, that's you and that's me. The person who's in the secret place of the Most High. He said, I'm going to protect him. Now, it's comforting to know that the Lord's going to have his angels watching over us and, and taking care of us. And that his word will help defend us. But how does that make you feel that God says, I personally am going to protect you. I'm going to do that because you love me and you call upon me. Verse 15 and 16 says, when he, that's you, calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life and satisfy him and show him my salvation. You see, when you get into the secret place of the Most High, it affects your prayer life. You have an incredible prayer life, and He's going to answer. I thought about Elijah when he called down fire from from heaven to destroy the enemies of God. Now, I've got to be honest, I don't know that I have that type of faith that the enemies of God, that I could just pray to, to have fire fall from heaven. I feel I've got a lot of faith, but do you understand the amount of faith that Elijah had? He also says that he will be with us in trouble. And I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they stood in the fiery furnace and the Lord protected them. Says he will deliver us. And I thought about Daniel and how God delivered him out of the lion's den. He That's us. will honor us. When you honor God, He honors us. He always does. Verse 16 says that His protection is forever. So you can't live long enough to get outside of God's protection. So how do you get to this secret place? Only you know how to get there. I can tell you where it's at. It's a place of intimate fellowship with God. And only you can determine what you need to do to get there. There may be something going on in your life that you need to get rid of. Or maybe there's something that you need to start doing to help you move in that direction of the secret place. But once you get there, it's a place that you'll never want to leave. I promise that. I read this week about a 
lady that was trapped in the trailer house. You know, last weekend we had tornado last Saturday night in El Reno. And in one of the trailer houses with the grandmother, and she had several of her grandkids spend the night with her. And the trailer house was completely destroyed, and rubble was on top of her. And miraculously, you know, everyone in her family was okay. But she was able to get to her phone, and she called her son, and she said, we're trapped. There, there's no way out. He said, I'm on the way. And he got there before the first responders and began digging her out and rescued her. Today, some of you may be feeling like you're trapped and there's no way out. I want to tell you, you've got a rescuer and a deliverer. And it's your place to stay in the secret place of God, to get there, to find it, and to stay there. And when you do, I promise you, Your life will never be the same, and you will go to the next level of your faith.